Live from the Danger Room, hidden deep under a Westchester mansion, it's the Mighty Marvel Tooncast with Tim Nidell and Jeremy Shields. Two of you. The odds are getting better and better. Spiders is danger. We always kiss the bridesmaids, too. This ain't Cajun country, hun. Zip those lips. Kumbaya! He's alive. And in a lousy mood. I can't believe it. Get away while you can! Join them as they review classic Marvel animation. And now, here's Tim and Jeremy. Excelsior! Hey, true believers! It is time for the Mighty Marvel Tooncast again. Hey, it's and it's me, it's Jeremy Shields and Tim Nidale. And we're back to discuss more of your favorite 90s Marvel cartoons. Well, at least two of them. I mean, there was a Hulk cartoon, I do recall, that I didn't watch. I didn't watch it either. I should really rectify that. I bet it was pretty good. I saw a little bit of it. But we're mainly here to talk about the Spider-Man cartoon and the X-Men cartoon because they were the best. There was a Fantastic Four and an Iron Man cartoon in the 90s that were also pretty good. And maybe we'll diverge into that at some point. But we were mainly we love Spider-Man and X-Men, so that's what we're going to talk about. The last episode, we talked about the pilot of the Spider-Man series, Night of the Lizard. And conveniently, we will go from Night of the Lizard to Night of the Sentinels. I know. What's up with the Knights? I don't. Why? Why do Marvel villains always have to come in the night? It's so true. So evil. <laughs> and this, you know, Sentinels. I was so excited for this. Other, um, other than the fact that I was only vaguely familiar with Sentinels, mainly from the the six player X Men arcade game where you had oh, kind of yes. the miniature Sentinels. Yes, amazing, X-Men. amazing game. Oh, great game, and I'm thankful that I've found a way to download it to my computer so I've gotten to play through the entire game. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, it is. So that was actually my first real introduction to X-Men was that arcade game. Which was based, of course, we we talked about this uh, on our Zero episode with there was going to have been a series where they did Pride of the X-Men, but uh, the pilot episode never got any further than that. But they designed this arcade game to look like that animated series. Uh, but that's where I, 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 I didn't get to read a whole lot of comics when I was younger because I couldn't afford them. I had to borrow. So I wasn't that familiar with X-Men because I was, you know, Spider-Man. Uh, so when I, when I saw this arcade game and it was so cool, uh, you know, I had some friends that had some of those X-Men trading cards. Did you ever collect those? Oh yeah. I had a whole book of them. I wish I, I, I had a collection of the X-Men cards and I lost them. Oh no. The whole thing of it. And I lost even most of my Marvel cards, but I, I've managed to regain quite a collection of the Marvel cards because, uh, Philip just gave me all of his old ones cause he was trying to clean all his stuff. So I've got a lot of Marvel cards, which I was doing Marvel Mondays with Neverland Podcast on that Facebook page, and you would see I would post a Marvel card. Uh, And I do have a few X-Men cards back, but I I used to have a lot of those old X-Men cards. And so I learned a lot about the characters through those cards, looking at those and buying those. But, uh, you know, and then I started to read some of the X-Men comics. But I I hadn't gotten to see anything with Sentinels. So finding an episode that was all about Sentinels, I was excited. Yeah, I don't think I got involved with X-Men until after the animated series. I think I even played the arcade game after the series came out. Really? Wow. So I was hooked because of this episode. Oh, and this, yeah. I remember I anticipated this episode when they, when I was first hearing about this, there was rumors that James Cameron wanted to, to make an X-Men film. 
There's also rumors I have a copy of one of his drafts of a Spider-Man script. But James Cameron, I guess, was a Marvel fan, and he wanted to do all this stuff. And there was talk that he was, you know, he wasn't going to get to do the movie, but he was going to help produce an animated series. And I still don't know ex- exactly what his involvement with this series ended up being. But there was a lot of talk that he was going to be involved in it. So I knew this X-Men series was coming, and I remember it debuted on Halloween. And I believe it was 1992 or 1993. Uh, I think it was 92. Yeah, I think it was 1992. And I remember uh, my buddy Philip was over at the house. We were still young teenagers. And uh, we were going to do some stuff that evening for Halloween and everything. But we were just glued to the TV waiting for the premiere of X-Men. We had been waiting so long. Yeah, I don't remember if... I know I saw the day it aired, but... As we talked about last episode, I wasn't anticipating it because I don't think I knew it was coming. Surprise! I know. And then I watched it, and it opens up with Sabretooth just, like, attacking the police, and the news is reporting, and, oh, it was amazing, just the opening scene. First of all, you open up with that theme song, another huge rockin' theme song that I loved. Oh, yeah. And there's some totally metal ones. If you look, uh, E-Rock331, I think it is, on his YouTube channel, he has redone the X-Men theme song in complete metal. It is awesome! Nice, nice. Oh, yes. He's also got a Facebook page. You can He goes and does a lot of things, but that's a whole other story. But yes, one of, actually, probably one of my favorite cartoon theme songs of all time was the X-Men. Yeah, I know. It's in my top five. Oh, yeah. I even... Uh, you remember Mario Paint? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I actually went on the uh, the music creator thing, and I was doing the X-Men theme, trying as best I could, trying to put it all in, but you're limited with how many measures you could do. Yeah, yeah. So as far as I got was... do 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 and then I had a deet, 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 deet. And then I ran to oh, the end where I couldn't do anymore. So I was like, funny. look, it's kind of almost there. You know. I remember squashing mosquitoes on Mario Paint. <laughs> <laughs> or swatting the flies. The yes. flies, yeah. <laughs> I used to try to, uh, I actually did the Star Wars theme song on there one time. And I'd get a VCR tape and I'd record. So I'd have, you know, because you couldn't save every, every music thing you made. So I would record my pictures. I would record my music and yeah. everything. Uh, and I might, might actually have some of that on a videotape somewhere. Oh, cool. uh, if I have that, I will post that to YouTube one of these do days. It. It's the Neverland Podcast YouTube feed. Just keep your eye on it, because if I ever find it, I probably will do it. So, whole other story. Anyway. <laughs> so, Night of the Sentinels. And I, I this episode was is such a great tease, because you get, of course, that little bit of opening bit with Sabretooth that you're talking about, but you know, we get a little bit of introduction to uh, to Jubilee. Oh, hey, Jubilee, there's a new character. Who are you? Unidentified mutants. You know who I am. Who told you my name? You and what army? All right, so Jubilee, her real name is Jubilation Lee. Uh, she was voiced by Allison Court, who uh, has done other cartoons. She was, um, I remember her as Lydia on the Beetlejuice cartoon, which I loved also. And uh, she was also in... Uh, is it Big Comfy Couch? Is that what she was on? I think it's either that one or I, I don't know. I, never, I didn't watch it. But anyway, Allison Court, I, who I've interviewed on the, on my show, Saturday Morning Rewind, and hopefully we'll get on this show sometime as well. But she was the voice of Jubilee, which I loved her as a voice. Very young and innocent because she really was young when she did both this and Beetlejuice. She's not much older than, than you and I. I think she's just maybe a couple years older than you are. Wow. Yeah. That old, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Ancient. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll even remember her for being Claire Redfield in the Resident yep. Evil games. Yep, she was, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. When I first played that game, I was like, it's Jubilee! I know, I know. So Jubilee's first appearance in the comics was Uncanny X-Men number 244. That was in May of 1989. Wow. So yeah, she was pretty late in the, you know, in the, in the series. And uh, I don't remember, I don't think I have that comic growing up. I, I have, I had Gambit's first appearance. And Ooh, that could be valuable. It was, it was a few hundred bucks, I think it was. Ooh. And I don't have it anymore because I had to sell it because I needed the money. Oh, but it, at least it was me selling it and not my parents selling it. Like my, like my <laughs> right? Yeah. So uh, Jubilee in the comics was the daughter of two prosperous Chinese immigrants. Uh, she was born in Beverly Hills, California. Uh, her, but her parents were murdered by two hitmen named Reno and Malachi. And uh, then that's when she was sent to an orphanage that she later ran away from. And uh, started living inside of a mall. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of what you see in the cartoon here. We, right. You see her in the mall playing the video games in the arcade, in the arcade room. <laughs> yeah. And uh, th- that scene kind of happens in the comics. Um, mall security chases her away when they find out she's doing that. And uh, you kind of see that in the cartoon here, which we'll talk about in a minute. Right. They later hire a squad called the M Squad to capture her. And uh, she's later rescued by Dazzler, uh, Cycloc, and Rogue and Storm, which is, you kind of see that with a Rogue and Storm saving her in the cartoon also. Right. And her powers, of course, are bright generated bursts of multicolored energy from her hands, which people always call them fireworks. I think she even calls them fireworks, too. Yeah, I think they, uh, they refer to her, her power as being some sort of pyrotechnic type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the comics, uh, which as she got older, got more powerful in, in different ways. But uh, when she's a kid, it really was. And I love the fact in the cartoon that it, it sounds like a bunch of uh, fireworks going off every time she fires I know. It. It's, it's great. Yeah. And it, like you said, later in the comics, she does get more powers. I was reading. I didn't know this happened. She actually gets bitten by a vampire later in the comics and and, and kind of gets more powers that way. <laughs> yeah. I did, I did not know about that. Uh, did you know she was trying to adopt a child here in some recent comics? That's just crazy. Yeah. Uh, some mutant child. Like, I don't know the whole details of it because I, I've kind of gone away from reading X-Men because it just got silly uh, after a while. It just wasn't I, I don't know, it wasn't appealing to me. But, yeah, she was trying to adopt a child for some reason uh, that to try to help with this kid. But she was still fairly young herself at the time, and so uh, they, she got denied. So, but yeah, interesting, weird detail. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's what I got on Jubilee. Awesome. And I always wondered, though, who names their daughter Jubilation? But I, know, I guess it's, Jubilation. You know, you're, you're really happy when you name your child. I, Jubilation! I guess. <laughs> but it just adds perfectly. That's Jubilation Lee. So she becomes Jubilee. Jubilee yep. And she's, she shoots fireworks. It's a Jubilee. It just makes perfect sense. Yep, sure does. And of course, typically in the comics, uh, they they always like to have like a young teenage mutant, and somebody will kind of be that they'll really bond with, and they'll become almost a father figure or other things. Like Shadowcat kind of was really bonded with Colossus, but that wasn't a father thing; that was a crush, which became other things later. Uh, but she always is kind of bonded with Wolverine in the comics. Wolverine was almost a father figure to her, which is kind of a Weird choice in father figures, I know, but he I know. Wolverine is full of a lot of all kind of old wisdom. He is fairly wise actually in the comics compared I mean, I, to you know what they've presented him as. If I wanted least. protection, I would definitely choose him anyways. So it's not a bad choice, I guess. Yeah, because yeah, if if he's on your side, you're gonna win. Yeah, the fight. no, I, I wouldn't want anybody else. <laughs> yeah, it's like I win. Okay, who else? Who are you gonna bring against him? Superman. Okay, could be a contention. Though. I mean, it kind of shows you near the end of this episode that. 
he is willing to do anything he can for his friends. So I would oh, I would yeah. want that as a father figure. Yeah, he is very, very, very loyal to a fault almost sometimes. Uh, but he, if you, uh, if he doesn't really like you, uh, he'll still be loyal. I mean, because Cyclops is still his friend. He, you know, you can tell there's a t- <laughs> tension between them, but he, he still will stick up for Cyclops in a, in in the right pinches. You know, he's still yeah, yeah. He, that is a comrade. So I mean, even Gambit, even, even Gambit, Gambit if he doesn't too. necessarily like you. You know, he'll back you up. Yeah, he clashes with Gambit quite a bit too, but he still loves Gambit. He, you know, you know, he loves Gambit. Yeah, you're going ah, Cajun. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, oh, I love the voice of Wolverine in this series. By the way, this this is the voice I now officially hear in my head. Other, although I gotta say, X Men Evolution, I loved that voice as well. Uh, and I can't think of that actor's name, but I believe he's also Zeb in Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, I don't I believe know. That's the same guy. I don't know who that is. Okay, well, we'll look into that later. But Wolverine's voice was just perfect because it was just it was had that crustiness to it you know yeah yeah ah, no yes, this is exactly like when i saw hugh jackman you know in the first movie i was like yeah he did a great job but he's not i think it's cathal dot i think it's how you pronounce his name dodd cathal dodd oh yeah. is that the actor's name in the, the in the animated series yeah ah okay you found it <laughs> but he did such a great job just just grizzly but yeah, he could also, you know, tone it down when he wasn't like throwing a fit. So he had, hey, Wolverine, uh, too. Ah! You know, just. Yep. It, it, I would almost think you would have to hurt your voice trying to do that that much. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I would hate to record for hours upon hours in that voice. Mm hmm. So props to you. <laughs> Okay, so let's let's get back to talking about this episode. And I, I you gotta love how they introduced Jubilee by like, oh well, look what she did with the VCR. They give you everything you need to know in 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 two minutes. Like, oh yeah, register with the mutant control agency. Look because look what she did to the VCR. Oh my goodness! And then we see a sentinel show up and start reaching in where Jubilee is supposedly sleeping in bed, and boom, commercial. Yep, sentinel supposedly takes her away, but it's not her. Identification error. Non-living objects. Begin tracking program. Jubilee! Right. And that, boy, that's one thing that drove us crazy. I think that was one of the first cartoons I remember that barely got you into an episode before they already dropped you into commercial. And they give you such a cliffhanger beginning, I think Philip and I about fell over. Poor Philip. <laughs> what about poor me? No, poor Philip. Okay, poor Philip. <laughs> Uh, but we were just like, what? Ooh, commercial already? We just got started. They oh, got to they, they sell. They got to sell toys. They got to sell toys. Right, right. And right, these toys yeah. were amazing. Oh goodness! Do you remember the, some of the original X Men toys before they were made? No, you wouldn't, would you? I don't think. But they so. actually still sold some of I think those. They, yeah, I think I still bought them, thinking they were in, they were part of the animated series. Yeah, they weren't really part of the animated series, but they had a Cyclops that was in the old X-Factor uniform that oh, uh, you yeah. had a little switch on the back to make his visor light up, you know. Yeah, I had the one for the animated series that did the same thing. Yeah, and then uh, they had uh, a Wolverine that was still in the brown and orange outfit uh, that I had that one for a while, that you you had a little slide thing for his claws to come out. But his arms were stiff. You couldn't bend them at the elbows because of that mechanism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had some of those old toys too. Yep, and then of course I did have. I I never got a newer Cyclops. I got a giant size Cyclops because they did have the bigger. Yeah, like, I have the about, I have the ten inch uh, Rogue. Yeah, 
like a 10 inch. Yeah, I got a 10 inch Bishop and a 10 inch Cyclops. Nice. Uh, in this gear. So, okay. But, so, yeah, that we ended up buying toys because they advertise toys, but you're not allowed to actually advertise toys of characters that appear in that series. So it would have been different. No, it's true. That's true. I forgot about that. So when we came back from commercials, as you said, it turns out, no, Jubilee is not there, and the Sentinel ends up with a handful of nothing. And then it cuts to her inside of a mall playing a video game. I'll teach you to invade my universe. <laughs> 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 which you know i don't know what kind of video game she was playing but we never had graphics that good at that time in the 90s that's true that's true that was a good graphic game yeah i mean that was some severe stuff because we had a lot of everything with side scrolling you know and that's probably <laughs> that why time. the that's probably why the owner gets so mad when she breaks it yeah you know how much that game costs yeah, best yeah. best line of the whole the whole series right here hey you you know how much that game costs yeah a quarter Yep. Yeah, a quarter. <laughs> and she lowers the shades down. Yep. So cool. And runs or walks away, but then ends up running because they start chasing her. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, that's the thing is how. Do, well, I guess the, 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 don't they show that the Sentinel kind of tracks her footprints? Yeah. The, there's something that he senses or sees tracking her. Yeah. So he ends up. Well, we call it a he, but it's an it. It's a machine. Exactly. But yeah. it shows up at the mall. Now, of course, Jubilee's in serious trouble, but luckily she's uh, got some friends that she hasn't met yet in the mall. Exactly. She's not alone. You then see Gambit buying a deck of cards, doing his, his you know, I think Gambit's best mutant ability is flirting with girls. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish I'd have had that ability when I was yeah, No single. kidding. No kidding. You must like to play cards. I like solitaire, okay? Unless I got someone to play with uh, okay gambit is my favorite all-time x-men and it may be because of this animated series <laughs> yeah i think that's why heather likes him too <laughs> of course i think she always liked the the relationship between him and rogue yeah. and everything i thought that was it good was, it was great a great soap opera yeah and i think the animated series got me more interested in their relationship too to where i remember i have an x-men comic that has uh where like Gambit and Rogue kind of go out on a date and get as close to each other as they possibly can without actually touching. And you're just like, oh, no, ah. come on, just risk it, dude. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, he does risk it at some point later on in the series. You'll see that later. Right. <laughs> but it's not, I mean, it's not her that tells him to risk it. We'll talk about that in, in yeah, episodes we'll to come. later episode, because it, it, it's coming. So, yeah, in the mall. Okay, now this is something that's fun. Okay, so Rogue and, and Storm show up. And Storm, I love the way they presented her character with these huge goddess-like speeches. I know. Storm, mistress of the elements, commands you to release that child. Lighten up on the speeches, sugar. And that's why Rogue, that's, that's why Rogue is my second favorite X-Men, because <laughs> of, I, I love Lenore Zan and I love Chris Potter just together. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and Storm uses then uses some power. I don't know where she gets the power to turn her clothes into her X Men uniform. Maybe she burned her clothes off and had the uniform underneath or something. I don't understand that. That's, that's it just looks cool. Yeah, that's true. But there's one little bone to now pick with this scene because you know Storm's coming in and she's flying over there. Rogue grabs the escalator as if it's a, a one solid piece. Hmm. Have you ever noticed this? No, I didn't. I've seen it a hundred times, too. If you, yeah, if you look at escalators, they're separate stair pieces, whatever. But Rogue grabs it like it's one kind of weird bendy piece of metal to, to use it to block a blast coming at her. See, I think her other super mutant power is turning multiple things into one thing. 
Apparently. That's what it is. I don't know where she got that power. Who did? Who in the world do you absorb to get that? Uh, Miss Marvel. Well, Miss Marvel can't do that. Um, she could after she absorbed the power of um, a mutated man that is able to turn multiple things into one thing. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Right. We just invented a character. Mutated man. Mutated man. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're being wildly inventive, but that's something that's always bugged me about this episode. I'm like, you can't do that. That doesn't work that way. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody wasn't thinking when they when they put that in the storyboard or something. But by this time, of course, now Rogue, I, I love the way she's just going and bashing the brains in on this thing. And then Jubilee's looking over at Storm like, did you see what she did? Yeah, she's in a miniskirt, too. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I love the way Storm's just like, yeah, Rogue has a real way with men. <laughs> and she's just pummeling this thing. And that's Boy, why no. that's why Gambit and Rogue are perfect for each other. Because <laughs> she can pummel him badly. Yeah, yeah. He, he loves it. <laughs> Which, speaking of Gambit, she, she smashes this thing down into the upper deck, and the thing kind of crashes into the store where Gambit is. And Gambit has one of the best lines. You know, he's always got the best lines. Don't worry, Cher, your insurance can handle it. He loves the women, <laughs> man. He'll do anything to help them. <laughs> I wish I was that smooth. I I'm telling you. James Bond has nothing on Gambit in this series. <laughs> For just having great one-liners. Oh, but see, now Gambit gets in there and he's flinging cards at the thing. And Jubilee's like, who are you? And my gosh. The Gambit, petite, you know, it's like, yeah, you know. This is great. Uh, but uh, you, you got to love how when the Sentinel first encounters Storm and Rogue, scans them, unidentified mutants, ignore doesn't care. Mm -hmm. But then after Gambit's been uh, been been flinging cards at him and he's he's bla the Sentinel blasts Gambit through a sign and down. The Sentinel scans Gambit, uh, unidentified mutant, expendable. In other words, Gambit ticked him off and was like, you know what? I can smash you. I'm going to smash this one yep. because I'm mad. Oh, yeah. Why not? <laughs> because Gambit's the one that ticked it off. <laughs> it's true. That's very true. But yeah, I, I love this whole mall fight and I love the way it gets ended out here because, you know, Jubilee... Finally, just comes out and unleashes her power for once, almost on purpose, and blasts the Sentinel. Actually, knocks it back a little bit, staggers it a little bit. Yeah, it's then runs shocking. outside. That's hmm? pretty shocking that her little fireworks were able to do that. Yeah, I mean, she's got more power, but she, you know, she's young yet. Her power's still developing, but she's got more power than she realizes at this point. Uh, but I love the way this goes. She goes running outside the, the mall. The Sentinel throws this little gas bomb out there, and she runs right into Cyclops. And because Cyclops was always my favorite, I love the way he he uh, and identifies himself. And she's like, well, who are you? And it's the Cyclops. Get, and tells her to get down. And the Sentinel fires a blast, knocks over a pole, and it's like, oh, look, an energy blast, huh? Well, here's one from a pro. <laughs> one shot, knocks the head clean off that thing. I know, it's amazing. I love it because, like, yes, you see everybody else kind of struggling, trying to fight with a Sentinel. Then Cyclops shows up and is like, oh, look, a robot. Bam. And that's something, that's something we never saw in the movies because it always looked like, you know, a helpless kind of a mutant. To me, at least, in the movies, like, oh, Cyclops, I don't want him to help me. I want somebody else, somebody tougher. But here, he's, he finishes the job. Yeah, that's that's one of the issues I actually had with the the original. Some of the, I think they did a little bit better with them uh, here recently in the uh, X Men Apocalypse, but I did not like the portrayal of Cyclops, especially in that first movie. Yeah, they just didn't get it right. Well, if you go back and listen to my recent interview with Chris Potter, the voice of uh, of, of Gambit in my Saturday Morning Rewind cartoon episode uh, podcast, 
he talks about how he was asked to audition for the role of Cyclops for the movies. <laughs> and of course he didn't get it, but yeah. that would have been really cool. Although it would be cool to have him as Gambit because he actually looks like Gambit. <laughs> it would be really cool to see him in the movie. Although I did kind of like the guy that had played Gambit in, in Origins. I just wish he'd have had a Cajun accent. Yeah, a better, a bigger part too. A better, a better movie and a bigger part. Yeah, but you know, he did kind of have a cool look. You know, yeah. I liked the hat and I liked the way his eyes kind of turned when he was charging a card. So. Yep, and he's got a Disney connection. He was John Carter. Right, yes, which is actually a better movie than uh, than the box office that gave it's it credit true. for. It's true, it's not a bad movie, I don't think. Where did we leave off? So yeah, Jubilee has been knocked out, and she's going to come to in the X-Mansion, and this gives you a great introduction to some of the other characters. Yeah, I love how it goes. She sneaks out of her room using her little fireworks, um, and she goes <laughs> room... it! Yeah, she goes room <laughs> to room as she kind of observes other mutants and their abilities so you can see morph for the first time you know watching tv uh making fun of the president which is like it was just hilarious and um well no as a senator he makes fun of senator kelly you don't get to see the president until later okay i thought it was they had a woman part. president in yeah 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 okay that's right i thought we see the i thought it was this part nope you see, you see senator kelly which uh, during this scene, you do get a bit more established of the world that the X Men are living in, because you have the you know Senator Kelly talking, you know, mutant registration and all this stuff, and uh, yeah, my fellow Americans, I am an idiot. His Morse reaction yeah. when he impersonates him. <laughs> and then the next room she sees is Beast. You know, he's upside down. What's he doing? Reading a book or something? I forget. No, he's messing with chemicals, and I love this. What he says. It would be quite disconcerting if this were to detonate. Disconcerting. Yet provocative. <laughs> Gotta love Beast. Beast is a great character. <laughs> he's such a great character. But yes, he's mixing chemicals while he's upside down hanging from the ceiling. <sighs> oh, but I do remember when Morph showed up. Philip and I were like, who's Morph? Yeah, no, I, I was, like I said, I was new to the comics, so I didn't think anything different. But I loved Morph in the series. Yep, so Morph was actually a character created for the series, which you don't see him in the opening. So we kind of wondered if he was going to be like a red shirt in Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What she kind but of... lo and behold, the character caught on so much, he was like Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. He was so cool that they, I've heard that they have had him in a few comics now. They did eventually make a toy of him, and they brought him back in season two. Sure did. And it's a... I made him a linchpin. Yeah, it's a great, great turn of character right there. Oh, yeah. So uh, we'll talk about that when we get to the next season. But, yep. oh, yes. Morph turned out to be a much cooler character than any, I think anybody anticipated. Yeah. But he was very basic. I mean, he is just wearing a basic standard sitting around the X-Mansion kind of uniform. Yep. He doesn't have any sort of unique style to his uniform like everybody else does. But, uh, oh, so Jubilee, while she's wandering, it's really fun where she wanders in next. She actually, well, did we forget to mention that we, we record these podcasts from the Danger Room? I think we did forget that. Yes, well, we are in the danger room, which is a dangerous place to be alone, as we like to say. But she went to the door and she's like, ah, because, you know, they, she's had alarms going off. And, uh, you know, Beast is more for kind of chasing after her and everything. And she's just hitting buttons and finally manages to work her way into the danger room and sees Wolverine and Gambit having kind of a practice game. <laughs> And I love this, you know, Wolverine kind of beats Gambit, and he's like, ah, it's just a onko. And Jubilee just, bam, and blasts Wolverine clean off. <laughs> Maybe that's what made Wolverine like her so much, you know? 
But I love that when Beast and Morph come in and they're just laughing at Wolverine and Game is like, oh, you just hurt Game- Wolverine's pride. That's all, Cher. Or Petite. <laughs> well, then we get the, uh, the one of the things I, that they changed with the X-Men in the comics is, you know, at this point, of course, Storm takes Jubilee to kind of explain the school. But as the comics were and as the animated series represented it, this is not a like a full school of students or anything. This is just these few mutants that are in there that are learning how to perfect their powers. Uh, and to use them for Xavier's dream of human mutant peace, and, and, and I do kind of like though the angle they've taken in the films that they uh, that the comics kind of took on, where they they became more of a school, and they're actually giving a basic education even to mutants to give them a place to be accepted and not have to worry about it, and also to learn to control their powers and become an X Men if they so choose, or they could leave the school and just have a normal life afterwards. You know, that is a very interesting twist, but it, it is kind of interesting that. Storm at this point has taken Jubilee up to the roof and explains them, and Jubilee gets smart with her and says, "Like, aren't you a little old for school? Aren't you guys a little old for school, or did you all get held back?" We X-Men learned something very special here, Jubilee. How to control our mutant powers for the benefit of mankind. Don't sass Storm. She yeah. controls the weather. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't do that let's not tick this woman off. So I always kind of liked that scene. And then, you know, well, she just kind of calmed down and like, oh, yeah, you know, it's okay, kid, and whatever. Great scene. Xavier and uh, and Cyclops have been examining the uh, the Sentinel and managed to retrieve from its databanks uh, some stuff about uh, the mutant control registration. Mm-hmm. And Because they, they find the original files for Jubilee of her registration with this place that her foster parents had done. Uh, but this, so this is where like, it differs the, from nowadays. Um, in the cartoon, one of them says, oh, was it the government doing this? And then I believe it's Professor X. Say, oh, no, it's not the government. It's so-and-so. Nowadays, yeah, of course, it's you a would, private organization. Yeah, nowadays you would jump to the conclusion, oh, it's the government. Yeah. Well, that's the way it was in the 80s. The government was always your villains in a lot of different things. They yeah. were always the ones hunting down E.T. and stuff like that. There was mistrust of the government in the 80s. There's mistrust in the government now, so we get that as a common theme. But yeah, this was a private agency. We get a look at uh, Dr. Henry Gyrick, or Henry Gyrick. I don't think he was supposed to be a doctor of sorts. Uh, but see, also in this, uh, this you're going to get Gyrick, but uh, Bolivar Trask. Trask, okay, yeah, so yes. Bolivar Trask was played by Peter Dinklage in the Days of Future Past. But we do see Trask in these two episodes. Um, I don't know that you actually get to see him in the very first episode, though. I know he's in the second one where they're actually building the Sentinels. You do yeah. see Bolivar Trask in there because Bolivar the Trask is the one who developed the Sentinel program. And Henry Gyrick is, of course, the one who's been kind of behind the, the whole mutant control agency that's kind of funding this whole thing. But uh, this is where the X-Men now decide, oh, we got to go and destroy all these files because every mutant who registered with that thinking, well, I'm just trying to – you know, get along with everybody. They're in real danger that somebody might send a Sentinel to go and collect them or something. So it's like their first real major mission that you get to see, at least in the animated series. But uh, And of course, I like that those Cyclops has his doubts. Professor Xavier, we've been together for a long time. And I strongly believe, as you do, in the peaceful coexistence between humans and mutants. But when you formed the X-Men, was it not to teach us to use our powers to benefit mankind? So ordinary people would learn not to fear us? Professor, aren't we? I know what you're going to say, Cyclops, but I'm afraid we have no choice. What's the matter? Teacher's pet got cold feet. Anytime, pretty boy. But and now at some point, the Wolverine had kind of wandered off on his own while they're getting prepared for this mission to go and kind of 
track the girl because Jubilee disappears. Yeah. Because uh, she's worried about her foster parents. And Wolverine goes off track on her when they're leaving for this mission. So it's like, well, whatever. So, but we have a really great conversation now when they land kind of outside of the, um, the uh, you know mutant control registration building. There's a really great conversation there um, between like Rogue, Beast, and Morph. You know, because Rogue is like, you know, hey Beast, you're so smart. What is it that makes us like we are? And Beast starts listening. You know, everything that Marvel has ever used to give someone superpowers, he pretty much goes through is like radiation, oh, yes, ozone, all this stuff, other stuff. And then he goes television. And I love the way that Morph <laughs> jumps in. Progress. It's just a great line. It's really good humor. And it's even uh, funny, or uh, golly, what is it? I think Morph kind of bends a tree and comes back and whacks Wolverine with it or something, just goofing around. Yep. Because Wolverine does show back up, and it's like, wow, you guys make a lot of noise for doing a secret mission. Yeah, oh, I love how he just, he's a hes a rebel. I love it. Yeah. He just shows up, and uh, it's like, well, did you manage to uh, follow the girl anywhere? He says, yeah, trail, went, trail got cold, got bit by a dog, too. <laughs> <laughs> you wonder, though, what he did to the dog. Yeah, seriously. Seriously. <laughs> you know it wasn't good. <laughs> did he neuter it? Uh, did he make sausages out of it? Hmm. Or did he just kick it off, you know? No telling what level his temper's going to go to. We'll find out in episode... No, I don't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, of course, now they split into two different teams because Morph is going in. Gambit kind of wanted to be able to sneak into the place because he was he used to be a thief. But yeah. he's staying outside with Cyclops and Rogue while Wolverine, Storm, and Beast and Morph are going inside the building to go in to destroy the actual files. There's a really fun little uh, scene. Hey, can you guys boost me over the fence, Beast? I just, you know, just, they find little ways to throw some little yeah. bits of humor into this that was just so fun. Have, you gotta have fun, you know? Oh, yeah. But yeah, in the meantime, you know, Storm has put up a fog. They go sneaking in. Uh, she brings up a misty when they get inside the building. There is some, a little, other little bit of fun where they've taken down a guard and Wolverine still cuts open a door. Beast shows Wolverine, hey, uh, the guard's keys. Ah, so I'll buy him a new door. Uh, but Storm goes through, brings up a mist up so they can see a bunch of tripwires. I mean, just all kinds of things. You get to showcase some of their powers. Because Morph, of course, is the one who took out the guard by disguising himself as the guard to freak the guy out by and then shoot him with a gas gun. We see Wolverine cut through a door. We see Beast climb along the ceiling to avoid the wires as Storm has brought up a mist to reveal the, uh, well, not really wires, but like the lasers. You're getting a good demonstration of everybody's powers again. Yes. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> you concur i do so. concur you do you get and you can see their humor too and i loved it yeah you get some humor you get a demonstration of the power so if you were not familiar with these characters you're getting everything you need yeah pretty much the whole first episode just throws you in and just leaves you without a without a raft and just throws you in there with no warning and i love it so they go down this hallway and they're about to open a door and there's a bunch of guards on the other side and this is where we get our cliffhanger ending Dun dun dun. So, uh, so when we have our next episode of Marvel Tooncast, we'll go back. No, I'm kidding. We're actually going to talk about the second episode right now. <laughs> We're not going to leave it in a cliffhanger. I think part of my edit is I tried to also cut out that it repeats some lines and just yeah, shows them a different angle with a couple of extra lines in the second episode where yeah. Cyclops and Rogue are outside. Yep. It kind of gives you more of the behind the scenes, or not yeah. more. It shows you what you've already seen, but it, you know, it's, it shows you, I guess it shows you a little bit different. 
Uh, yeah, it's it's a different angle, but it's you get the conversation between Rogue and Cyclops. Like, you look as nervous as a long long tailed okay. cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Yeah, yeah. I just wish I knew what was happening in there. Which that's all you get at the first episode, but the second episode gives you the exact same lines, exact same delivery, slightly different angle, but you get the added benefit of a gambit. Like, well, if it was me in there, you wouldn't have to worry. That's true. I agree with him. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> especially if you think you'd be fine with Wolverine in there, but no, you need Gambit. I need Gambit, especially if they're like a female like guard. Oh, you need him in there. You need Gambit in there. <laughs> hey, Shan, what you got? <laughs> you know, I got your files right here in these cards. Yep. Lots of pictures. These aren't mutants, though. Boom! Oh, I'm sorry. I did. Just, maybe later, share, but I uh, had to blow up your guard tower. You know, yep. that kind of thing. <laughs> I don't know. I'm inventing wildly here, but what? <laughs> okay, I'm. This is why I'm not in charge of writing Gambit stories. <laughs> All I can think of is flirt, flirt, kaboom, and then flirt, flirt, dead. Well, you know they used to refer to uh, James Bond, uh, and I believe it was in Japan. They called him Mister Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. You know, Gambit, same thing. Flirt, flirt, kaboom. Yep, exactly. <laughs> But anyway, so we get back inside the building, and right as Storm goes to open the door, Wolverine stops her. Gun oil. Smells the gun oil. And so, of course, she just bursts the door open with wind and blows all the guards away. So this huge cliffhanger that we had to sit for a week was so easily dealt with by just a gust of wind. I'm like, there's not even a big fight or anything. It's just whoosh. Done. Yeah. I know. Lazy. <laughs> Lazy writers. It was still pretty cool. It huh? was really cool. I, so I guess it wasn't lazy. It worked. Yeah, it worked. But I was just like, oh, man, I was I was hoping for some violence in this cartoon. But OK, the violence is coming, kids. The violence is coming. It sure is in about two minutes. Yeah, it's after they go through and uh, start shredding some files, Wolverine nicely unlocks a uh, file cabinet. Uh, they delete the files off the computers and go outside thinking that, clear, that everything's clear. They take out a few guards. They're breaking their way out. Gambit, Cyclops, and Rogue are keeping the guards busy outside. But then Sentinels show up. And the party is over. Yep, and somebody's dead. Yeah, but of course, you know, Wolverine does get a good line in there, too. It's so cheesy, but... Hey, Ten Woodsman! I'm sending you back to Oz in pieces. So, yeah, as you said, uh, this is where Morph takes a blast for Wolverine. Now, Wolverine, I'm sure, could have taken the blast. That's and true. And, you know, he sh shook it off after a little while. But Morph still being the good red shirt Star Trek character that he is, jumps in front of the blast. And that's, that, then it, it cuts away right there so you don't get to see that he's, you know, been killed. Yeah, you don't find or at least out. We think so. You don't. Yeah, I guess that's true. I, mean, I guess he really did die. You'll see later in the series how how, yeah. he, how he came back. But second season, find out he wasn't really dead. But it is kind of interesting that he throws himself in front of a blast meant for Wolverine. Not think that Wolverine could probably heal it up. Out of all the people that you know would heal, it would have been Wolverine. Yeah, but the interesting thing is uh, you know, how things have changed for Wolverine because back in the nineties, he had a healing factor. Okay. He would he could take some uh, some damage and, you know, he might you might take him out for a little while, but he's going to heal up and he will be back and he'll do it pretty quick. 
in more modern comics, like uh, one of the things that happened in the Civil War in the comics, Wolverine gets nuked by this character Nitro, which if you listen to Everland Podcast, Eric and I talk about Nitro and you know how he can detonate like a bomb. But Wolverine is burned out of everything except for the adamantium skeleton and still manages to come back. That's, that's not a healing factor. That's regeneration. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That was ridiculous, and I was also like, there's nothing organic that can get outside of his adamantium skeleton. How can any of his organic self come out to start to regrow his body? Yeah. And even in the 90s, when he has the adamantium ripped from his bodies, he does heal it up, but he's in bad shape for a while. Yep. So, and I don't know why in the comics they've now made it where he's pretty much, he's almost have complete regenerative properties when it was just a healing factor. So he can take that blast. He's going to be down, but he'll be back from him. It just might take him, you know, give give him half an hour. He'll probably get up up from that blast. But Morph still throws himself, sacrifices himself for his buddy Wolverine. So that just shows Morph is a really good, good, noble character, even if it was probably unnecessary for him to do that. Yeah, or they already planned out season two and knew he was going to come back, or something. I don't know. Yeah, I still think they brought him back because the response to Morph was probably pretty good. Probably, I know I loved him. So, yeah, everybody loved the character, so they eventually they made it to Wayne. But uh, you get to see a little bit of that more of the tension between Wolverine and Cyclops when they get back, because you know Wolverine is really upset about leaving Morph and Beast behind because Beast took a blast into the fence and has gotten uh, arrested. Morph is left for dead. And Wolverine, of course, he's loyal to his friends, but I, I can understand where Cyclops is coming from. He's just trying to get the rest of the team out of there. Storm even, you know, backs him up. It's like, you know, there's nothing we could have done. You know, that's, you know, we had we had to get out of there. We were being overrun by, there was there's like 20 Sentinels, and they just keep coming. So they had to get out of there, but Wolverine, of course, is not happy, happy with him. Gives Cyclops a good punch in the gut and then pops the claws and says, well, next time I'll use these. Yeah. And then runs away like a little baby. Yep. Well, not after he goes through to Cyclops' car, tears oh, yes. the uh, roof off of it, <laughs> making him a convertible, and yelling, cowards, all of them! Oh, I love how, how they see like a pouty little baby. I love it. <laughs> but then I like when Gene tries to come and calm him down. It's like, tell Cyclops I made him a convertible. <laughs> yeah. Which, the funny thing is, you ever heard of the redneck convertible? Yeah, yeah. Yep, because you actually do take a car and make it convertible, but you have to uh, weld your doors together first to give support to the middle. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm, yeah, I've uh, the things I learned on listening to regular radio, but yes, that's called the redneck convertible. You weld your doors together to offer support because when you take the roof off and all the other pieces, the, the, the middle will actually sink in because there's nothing to hold it together anymore, apparently, nice. because they're not built to be convertibles. Unless it, unless it is a convertible, then it's built. Huh, you know, interesting. To, but yeah. So actually, Cyclops' cars should have collapsed in the middle when he did that. Oh, they sh- it's just ch- cheap writing right there. They need to cheap writing. I know, but it was still cool as heck. I know it was a great scene. <laughs> but uh, that always makes me wonder when when Cyclops shows up at the bar where Wolverine has gone to. How did he get there? Hmm. Did you think he drove his new convertible? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> It would have been a hilarious scene, though. Yeah, that's if, true. Because they're, if they're talking there in the parking lot and you see in somewhere in the background Cyclops' this con- new convertible parked, would have been funny as heck. Yeah, that would have been a great scene. <laughs> I want to see that now. Yes, I now want to see it. But I, I even looked for it. I was like, come on, they got to put the convertible back there. Just Because how does Cyclops <laughs> get there? Because you don't see the Blackbird out there or anywhere. No, so. no, you don't see another vehicle or anything. 
Did he call Uber? Ooh. Did Gene drive him? Or did, did he get flown there by Rogue or Storm? Which, in that case, where are they? I know. All these possibilities. Oh, yeah. All these things. But, yeah, at this point. Now, we're leaving out a little bit of details. I mean, Jubilee gets captured by Sentinels and is hauled off to a main Sentinel base, oh, which just, the X-Men now learn about. That's not important stuff, though. That's not important. We're only just, well, I'm kind of trying to get to a closing point of talking about this episode. But eventually, though, the X-Men have shown up now at the, because uh, well, Cyclops, of course, shown up there to talk to Wolverine. is like, how would you like to go to the main Sentinels base and get a little payback, huh? <laughs> what do you think? So this is where you finally do get to see, uh, you get to see Peter Gyrick. And what did I say the other guy's name was? Um, Peter Gyrick. Trask. Bolivar yeah, Trask. 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 get to see him kind of working on uh a batch of Sentinels. You also have gotten a little bit of this where the president has kind of leaned on Gyrick like, you know, uh, these mutants that attacked you, do they did they feel threatened? Do they yeah. really have a reason to attack your little base? Yep, yep. Just kind of, you know, provoking things. But I always kind of like that, just as, yeah, that little thought like, you know, maybe maybe there's something a little off with your little mutant control program. Yeah, I like that actually, how they kind of were trying to help the mutants, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because there's probably people who pass registration thinking, oh, we're trying to help these unfortunate people. It's like, yeah, well, you don't need to register them that way because that never works out good for anybody. Mm-hmm. Just ask the Jews. Being registered by a government group <laughs> is not a good thing. No. So, which, of course, explains Magneto, which comes up in episode three, which we'll talk about in a couple of episodes away from now. So, it's coming. But yeah, so the X-Men show up, you have some great stuff, and one of uh, me and my buddies, Phil and Seth, one of our favorite lines, this one's for you, Morph! Yeah, that's a, I have a feeling we're going to play that quite a bit on this on this podcast. Uh, yes, indeed, because I know I sent you that clip. i got to put it on my soundboard so I can just press a button and play it every time we need it. That's right. Like right now. Oh, bam. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> But uh, oh, so there's a great battle scene with them and the Sentinels. Uh, but always a line that always jumps in my head, but I never really get a chance to say it in a situation where some when somebody asks me, uh, if, okay, is there anything else we need to get done here or whatever? If somebody asks me any similar question to that, I have the perfect rogue response for that, and I bet you know what it is. I don't, actually. What was it? Ain't that enough? Ain't that enough? I don't know why, but I love that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why either. You're you're a weird guy. I'm a weird guy, but I always just love that where Cyclops is like, is that all of them? And she's like, ain't that enough? Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. Because <laughs> there's days I feel like that when I'm like, we're, someone's trying to make sure it works that we've got everything done. I'm like, well, ain't that enough? Why are you looking for more? I know, Can seriously. In this? Yeah. See, Rogue is wise beyond her years. She knows when enough is enough. And she's hot. <laughs> I, I didn't just say that what <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> hey i'm not I'm, I'm not the only one that thinks that i know that I, there's more out there that think that so i'm just i'm just saying what people are thinking right now. <laughs> well that is one thing about this cartoon though is all the girls hair is really big yeah it's very 80s early 90s stuff yes it's very very funny of course i was always more fond of redheads so i was more of a gene gray fan yeah but, you know. Redheads are great. Well, gotta love me some redheads. Mm-hmm. And my wife always tells me, you'd like me better if I had red hair and a British accent. Hey, my wife says the same thing, but it's not about the British accent. 
<laughs> well, that one is just because uh, I okay. We're we're telling stories on this show now a little bit. I used to sell Sprint over the phone with inbound calls when I was much younger, and there was some woman who just had the greatest voice with a British accent that I was like melting like butter when she was talking to me. Sort of like Lenore, who was the voice of Rogue. When you just hear her talking yeah. you know, without that accent, she's got a good quality voice. Yeah, she does. Yes, she does. It's like, wow, wow, your voice is just butter. So, good stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> well, now that this episode has gotten weird. <laughs> Let's make it unweird. How does it, how does it end? How does it end? <laughs> well, uh, Jubilee gets to say goodbye to her foster parents. You know, it's like, hey, you know, uh, this, this professor and the, the, all these people, I think there's, there's a place, place for someone like me. So, uh, thanks for being good foster parents for the past year. Uh, I'm out of here later. See ya. I like, how <laughs> you know, she also, I like how she also says, I'll come by and visit when you know she never does right well you know maybe we just didn't ever see when she visited because you know it would be a very boring episode if nothing happened and it was just, oh we're <laughs> yeah. gonna go visit her foster meanwhile parents. at the foster house oh yeah i met this guy named magneto and he nearly <laughs> nuked the world yeah. and um, storm had to, oh wait a minute we're spoiling the next episode yeah yeah i don't think her foster parents were allowed to go to that school anymore they'd have been like what <laughs> Where did that come? I cannot believe I just actually did the whole what thing. Wow. Okay. Well, with that, I, I think we've said about as much as about this episode as we need to, right? Uh, yeah. I think it's an amazing episode. Our well, for, uh, of course, our podcast is amazing, but you know, Night in the Sentinels, Sentinels was amazing too. Mm-hmm. Fantastic mm-hmm. two-parter, and I remember that they uh, put both of these parts out. I believe Pizza Hut had video cassettes of this two-part episode. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. I unfortunately didn't get it that way, but I was like, I recorded it off TV, so that's okay. The only thing like that I ever got from Pizza Hut, I remember, was the uh, cassette tape out of our shelves from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the live tour. I I never got that. I wish I did, though. I did get that tape. I have seen that CD available in stores. In fact, I do have a digital copy of that, and I still like it. It's terrible, but I love it. (laughs) Wow. Okay, tangent. All righty, so we want to remind you all, though, to... Visit the page, our website, marvel.neverlandpodcast.com. We do have a Twitter feed, at Marvel Tooncast. Also, make sure you come and like our page on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash marveltooncast. Uh, I will make sure there are links on the website for all this. You can also find links there to go and find Saturday Morning Rewind, where you can have some more fun with Tim and Gary talking about old cartoons that you loved when you were younger. And interviewing voice actors. Righto. And of course, you'll find a link for the Neverland podcast, which is, I guess, almost a network show because I'm still using sort of the same website. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Neverland podcast is, of course, where I talk about cartoons when you're young, toys when you're young, and then also end up doing a healthy dose of Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, Pixar, and all that kind of fun stuff that makes us feel like we're a kid again. That's Little right. pixie dust for your week. Amen. Yes, which we need. So, all right. But until we see you next time. Say it with me. Excelsior! Yeah, we almost said it at the same time. Sure did. It was close. If you enjoyed our commentary of Pride of the X-Men and also this first Spider-Man episode, Night of the Lizard, please visit the Patreon website for the Neverland Podcast and make a donation. We're going to start doing the commentary episodes only for people who are Patreon supporters of the Neverland Podcast and the Mighty Marvel Tooncast, and really, it's all the same fund. It's all coming out of my pocket. So go to the Neverland Podcast website and find my Patreon link there, or just go to patreon.com slash Podcast 
and sign up to make a donation. It really does help us out and keep us to where we can continue producing this show for you. And you will get that exclusive commentary for all the episodes that we are going to talk about here on the podcast. Of them. I mean, there was a Fantastic Four cartoon and an Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take that line again. 